This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, here with you on a good-looking uh, Saturday. Well, it is, actually. You know, when I was driving here, uh, I passed or was followed by cars with a fair amount of snow on them. Oh, really? Yeah, I guess there must have been some snow up north of me. Maybe wow. Newmarket, Alliston, yeah, yeah, yeah. somewhere. But Well, that? I see we do have a caller already on the line from Collingwood, so I bet you well, she'll we'll get a tune weather us report in how from, much uh, snow they got. Yeah, okay. Well, here we are on a, um, a Saturday, and as is our wont, we are looking for phone calls from our listeners to have we a chat are. with you. We yeah, are, yes. We well, are. I include me and... Uh, wait a minute now. That's my job. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's doing? true. That oh, is your job. <laughs> All right. Uh, phone number, i got to get it on the air here. For uh, Toronto, 416-360-0740. Then anywhere in the province, it is toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And I've got to tell you, Charlie has had one <laughs> exciting day already, haven't I, you? I told you when I got here a few minutes late <laughs> that I have already had a full day. I know, but just tell me about the bird that ran into the window. Well, it, the birds, I guess, are just so excited with the, you know, winter coming and they're all rushing around yeah. getting excited. Well, And they're robins. Like, wouldn't those silly robins be flying south by you now? You would think so. Anyway, they're all hanging out in my yard. And I have some fairly big windows. And I have things on the windows, you know, stickers and stuff so yeah. birds won't run in. But sure enough, wham, this robin ran right into the living room window, like really loud. Which, you know, startled me, and I had to run outside and give it artificial respiration so it could get back to flying. I could just see <laughs> chest compressions exactly. on a little robin. On a little robin. Yeah. So, and all the family, the, all the robin family watched while this happened. Yeah. So then they flew away, and as I told you, then I got in the car a little later than I should have, uh-huh. zipping down the highway, and it all came to a dead stop because... There was a three-car pileup for no apparent uh, reason. DBB, yeah. And, uh, and then got past that and zinged down here to Liberty Village and, just like you, zinging along Liberty Street, and it's closed. Yeah. It's like, oh. Lots of fun getting to work. Roadblocks yeah. everywhere today. <laughs> well, no, no. We're, we're gonna, it's going to be smooth sailing here on the show. Yes, it is. So you have, usually have a whole raft I of... I uh, don't little... have a whole raft, but I no. do have a few things going okay. on. So uh, mark your calendars. Tomorrow, the Toronto Rhododendron Society is hosting a meeting at the Toronto Botanical Gardens for, at 2 p.m. The speakers are Robert Ramick and Laura Grant, and their topic is the joy of garden tours. It's a photographic romp through some of the most memorable gardens and landscapes. Of course, free parking and all are welcome. 
also at the Toronto Botanical Gardens this Thursday, November the 19th, is a celebration of three extraordinary individuals who embody the Toronto Botanical Gardens mission, which is to transform Toronto by connecting people to plants and the natural world. The Astro Awards is what this is called, is recognizing the work of three green stars, Dr. Roberta Bondar, Jeff Cape, and Arlene Thronis, people whose achievements inspire us to cherish and conserve nature. So this all starts at 6.30, runs till about 9 p.m. at the TBG 777 Lawrence Avenue East in Toronto. When is that? Sorry. This Thursday. This Thursday, okay. Did you think I failed to say the date? You <laughs> no. just weren't listening. You're just trying to catch me. I You're just hoping I didn't know I'm laying the a trap. Yeah, yes. it didn't work. This Thursday, <laughs> November 19th. Good try, though. Uh, 6.30 p.m. to 9. TBG. Tickets are $150 each. For more information, contact torontobotanicalgarden.ca or give them a call, 416-397-1321. And that it? Well. That's pretty much it. Well, alrighty. That's alrighty. good. Maybe we can just take a moment before we uh, get to our calls in very short order to have a wee word about Sierra Sill. We've got a special date coming up, as a matter of fact. Ah, that's true. December 1st. Uh, Michael Bentley, the president of Sierra Sill, is coming to Zoomer Radio, mm-hmm. and he's bringing with him a uh, three. Well, it's a, it's going to be a three-hour uh, event, but it's a it's a new documentary mm. about Sierra Sill and the benefits of and and so forth, and living uh, as a, a, a Zoomer uh, and uh, the healthy aspects that. Uh, they can certainly, I say they, Sierra Silk can really help you with. Right. And of course, that, you know, Michael's like our age and he's a very active guy. And that's partly because he found, discovered that, you know, this natural mineral exists in the Sierra Mountains and did a lot of research and, you know, did a lot of testing and jumped through lots of hoops and was able to actually put it on the market as Sierra Sill, something that does provide some kind of naturally, magically oils the joints. Yep. Keeps and them moving, keeps them pain-free. And that's the important thing. Yeah. When you get a little bit older, yeah. you got to keep moving. you got to yeah, keep pain-free. That's right. And Try you, it. you're more likely to stay moving if you are pain-free. That's so right. that's what you and I have both found, and we highly recommend it. So for more information, give them a call at one eight seven seven joint 14 or check them on the web, sierrasil.com. S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Well, Charlotte, are you ready to... <laughs> oh, my goodness, Franklin. Well, there you are. Uh, Let's Charlotte be formal Franklin, today. Yes. <laughs> oh, and Sebastian, of course, we forgot to say hi to Sebastian. Yeah. Also, call early, call often, one question per call, and please let Sebastian know if you are indeed a first-time caller and... Because we've got the bell. You've got the bell, right. Nora in Brampton on the line first here. Hi, Nora. Good morning. Good morning. I'm a first-time caller. Excellent. Oh, wonderful. And uh, I'm, Welcome. I'm interested in knowing about uh, uh, cascading orchids. I had a, a, a container of four plants given to me for my birthday, and uh, I really don't know uh, the way. I, I kept them going with uh, ice cubes because I, I can't see the, the amount of water uh, I was getting in, and I didn't want to put in too much. I knew that that was a no-no. 
but now that it's finished blooming, I had 37 blooms. Oh, wow. And uh, they finished blooming now, and I want to know what to what to expect of the plants and what to do to keep them. I, I assume that I can keep them growing. So you're calling them a cascading orchid, and is that because they do trail? Yes. Huh. Okay, I'm going to take a stab at this, but I think what you have are cymbidium orchids. No, I, don't, I think it began with a pea, the, the, the oh, okay. kind of orchid it was. It's a very ordinary orchid, oh, okay. it's been changed to train to cascade, uh, is what I was mm. told by the florist. Oh, I see. Okay. So if it begins with a P, it's more likely Phalaenopsis. And, I think that's it. And the Phalaenopsis are commonly known as moth orchids. Mm-hmm. They have very, yeah, tr- we see them, them a lot in, uh, in many stores now. The ability to propagate the uh, Phalaenopsis or moth orchids has changed dramatically in the last 20 years. So they're becoming quite a common houseplant. So train to trail. So w- were these flower stems actually wired, do you think? Was there a little wire in as part of that? flower stem that caught- uh, yes they're, they're all each each stem is supported by um, uh, uh, um, well a support <laughs> yeah like a little stake yeah okay yeah. alrighty so what I would do now so it's one pot it's got three plants in the pot uh, no, there there are four plants and there's two two separate pots. Oh, I see. In the in the container, nice. and right now I have gorgeous big uh, leaves, mm-hmm. very thick, about six inch, uh, five to six inches long. So you're doing something very right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm hoping. <laughs> yeah. Well, as winter comes and as our how our homes get drier because the furnaces are on and there's all that hot air blowing around, th- plants like orchids, many of the tropical and subtropical plants are not nearly as happy in the winter as they are in the summer in our homes just because of the lack of humidity. So whatever you can do to increase humidity would be good. If the um, ice cube thing is working for you, I would probably keep doing that. Is there any possibility that you could uh, put out a tray, like almost like a cookie sheet or that kind of an idea of a, a shallow tray with some gravel in the tray and then sit the orchid pots on top of the gravel and then fill water into the tray so that you'll constantly have water evaporating around the plants. Well, I could try with something like that. I'm in a retirement home mm-hmm. and uh, I uh, have limited space, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, or two I've separate sitting in a cookie tray right now. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay, so now the tr- what I would say is get some gravel into that tray and then sit the pots on top of the gravel. So okay. when you water or whatever, the water will go through the pots into the gravel, but you'll also pour water over the gravel so that it's always got moisture and hum- it will just raise the in the environmental humidity or the relative humidity right around those plants uh-huh. all the time. And you'll find that they will get through the winter in better condition. And yeah, like I said, if the ice cube thing is working, I, I think the rule of thumb is like three ice cubes a week or something like that that is recommended on some of the care tags I've seen on orchids. Mm-hmm. And for some people that that's just works. It's just simple and it's a slow watering, which is exactly what the, the orchids want. They don't want to be have water rushing through them. They want that kind of percolating of water that happens as the ice melts. I just put them in like uh, about once a, 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 a each a week. I kept it a week apart for the for putting them in. Mm-hmm. 
and sometimes a bit longer. But it, when the leaves began to look a little limp, I put some some uh, extra in occasionally. Okay, that works. Yeah, it sounds like you're doing all the right stuff. It does, and and don't worry that they're not flowering now because they do need a little break, and then they will start to flower again. So just you know, enjoy the green leaves in the meantime. Okay, thanks Thanks for your call, Nora. And they will come back again and flower again. Yep. Yeah, I wouldn't be at all surprised if you call me again in February and say, "Guess what? (laughs) I've got lots of flowers again." All right. right. Keep in touch, Nora. Thank you very much for joining us here on the Garden Show as we broadcast live from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. Back in a moment to say hi to Diane and Eva and a whole bunch more here on the Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. AM 740. And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, welcoming from Collingwood, Diane. Good morning, Diane. Yes, good morning, Charlie and Frank. Good morning, Diane. Tell me, do you have any snow there today? Well, we had what I would call a skiff of snow here and there. Um, It's melted, except looking out the front here, the neighbors have got a little bit on their roofs. Okay, yeah. But so it's mostly gone, thank goodness, because I was not impressed when I looked out there and saw snow. It's only November, after all. Yes, yeah. it is. It is. Um, so a couple of years ago, when I moved to Collingwood, I called you and got some very good information regarding starting my garden mm-hmm. in, the, in our new home. Good. And everything's grown very, very well. Nice. Including my uh, climbing hydrangea. Mm-hmm. However, what it hasn't done is bloom. Oh. Now, I have the little tag that was on it when I bought it, mm-hmm. and it says it's um, Anomala mm-hmm. Petiolaris. <laughs> yes, that's fine. That's, what, that's the that species. Help? Yeah, yeah, that is, that's a climbing hydrangea. Yep. Okay. So, so it won't bloom, so how do I get this? Tell me what side, where have you got it planted? What direction is it facing? Okay, so it is on the southeast corner of our garage that juts out where it attaches the house. Mm-hmm. It juts out, oh, only about 12 feet, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's on that southeast wall. So lots of green leaves. Yes, lots of beautiful green leaves. And um, how, r- roughly, like, okay, and how many years ago? Three years ago? Four years yeah, ago? Yeah, three. Three, okay. So here's the trick with climbing hydrangea. Very slow to get established, but Mm -hmm. once established, takes off. So what I would at this point recommend is patience. Oh, okay. Because that's likely what's going on. It's they, like I said, they they'll sit there. They won't even grow much. Like it'll just be a small plant sometimes for a couple of years, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden one spring, it just does this big, you know. Growing spurt, spurt. yeah, and right. and typically you'll start seeing flowers during that process. The other, okay. but, but so also, there's nothing I can put in the ground or anything that I can do to it now to encourage it to bloom in the spring. No, what I would do is in the spring do do top dress with a good organic material. So whether it's composted manure or compost that you make yourself, do a little bit of top dressing with that. Oh, okay. uh, and the other thing is, don't do any. You won't have any pruning to do necessarily in the spring, but be aware that climbing hydrangea can, like all 
plants will sometimes grow in directions you don't want it to grow. So, for example, instead of growing parallel to the mm-hmm. wall, sometimes it'll send a shoot out perpendicular to the wall. Yes, I've just taken those few off. Yeah, so be aware of that and do follow that back in and take off anything that's growing in the wrong direction right, right. from where it's growing from and encourage that flat yeah, as, it's as flat smart, as you though. can. Most of them went right to the wall. Yeah, and it's a lovely plant. And they, yeah, they, they do tend to stick out from a wall more than some vines, which is fine if you've got the room for it to yeah, do that. No, no worries. But you know what? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be overly concerned about the flowering okay. thing just yet. Also, okay. we had two very, very, very cold winters, and you would have mm-hmm. experienced them, you know, colder than any than we would down here last the last two winters, and a very mild one coming. They tell me. Oh, a mild one coming. Yeah, well, that's, that's what they tell here. me. Yeah. So okay. Well, maybe it'll like that better, and maybe it'll bloom in the spring. Time. Exactly. All Let right. us know. Enjoy the show every week. Thank you. Thank you. And um, I'll think of new questions for the coming month. Alrighty, excellent. All right, Look thanks. forward to hearing from you again, Diane. Taking care of Collingwood Forest here on Zoomer mm-hmm. Radio. Uh, a trip in the other direction out, a little bit east to Oshawa. There's Eva. Good morning, Eva. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. Yeah, I'm calling the first time. Mm-hmm. Oh, first time oh, caller. First time Welcome. Call. Well, yeah. There you go. You get wings. Yeah, and uh, actually I'm calling to ask you, please, how to winterize figs tree. Mm-hmm. And they are in a pot. Mm-hmm. I, I planted three of them. Okay. And uh, how to take care of the figs tree all year around. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is a trick. Uh, do you have a cold storage room, like a, a root cellar or... Yes, I have, and I have the garage too. Garage too. And, but is the garage insulated? Half, yeah. Y- yeah, it mm. is, yeah. Because the trick with fig trees in Ontario, these are edible figs, uh, yes. is that you can... Like, they do want to go dormant for the winter, but you can't just leave them outside because it will just get too cold and they will die. Yeah. So there's a couple of things you can do, and one would be the garage. Um, They're in pots, which is great. You know, you want to move the the containers will have to be moved into the garage once they have gone to sleep. So once they've dropped their leaves, Mm -hmm. are the figs, they're still outside, right? Yes, they're still outside. Okay. So have they lost their leaves yet? Yes. Okay, so that's fine. And, um, uh, yeah, like I wouldn't bring it into the house because you do, it wants to go to sleep. It's gone to sleep. Let it do so. Um, Keep it, just move it into the garage anytime. You know, you could do it today, tomorrow. Uh, Keep it cool. Keep it dry in the sense that it's, you know. And water during the winter or no? um, I would... Um, make sure it's been watered before you put it away, but then you won't need to, shouldn't need to water it again. And don't have it sitting in any water. So make sure there's not like a saucer of water below. All right. Um, do, but do check it. You may need to do a little bit of watering during the winter, depending on how warm the winter is. Yeah. Right. So you don't the, you don't want the plant to dry right out, but at the same time you don't want it to get soggy and, and rot the roots either. Yeah. Um, a moisture meter might help you be able to check or stick your finger right down into the soil. Uh, you know, in December, in January. So just check. You may need to do a little bit of watering over the winter, just with regular cool water, and uh, but not like we do when it's growing, you know, where we pour lots of water on and yeah. the plant 
takes it. Uh, and then in the early spring, you're going to just open, start on a nice day. You'll open your garage. The sun will be out. The weather will be warm. But at night, you'll still close the garage. Slowly, you'll get the plant ready to, to enter back out into the real world by May, typically early May, late April. Okay, and any uh, fertilize or any spray? No, you shouldn't have to do anything now. Uh, do Not now in the spring. In the spring, yes, you will fertilize with a with just a regular like a flowering plant fertilizer, a fifteen thirty fifteen kind of fertilizer. But do a visual inspection. Make sure there's no obvious bugs or webs or anything on the plants before you put them away into the garage. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Okay, Eva, thanks thank for you for your call. Us. Yeah, isn't that? I, I was intrigued by that process of moving uh, the fig tree gradually out mm. in the spring. You just let the sun get a peek at it, yeah, yeah. close the door again. <laughs> well, well, and actually, it's the, the plant kind of getting a, a peak of yeah. a real sun. Because think about you know the garage is dark and everything else, so it's got to be a process. We call that hardening off, where we slowly introduce plants into the real world: the wind, the temperature, the sun, and all of it. Is you know once you're used to it, it's fine. Yeah. But when you're not yeah. used to it, they're, they're just not prepared. What you don't learn on this show, I'm <laughs> telling you. Well, uh, Milton is coming into play right now. There's Rosa. Good morning, Rosa. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. What I'd like to know, please, is we have two weeping willows on each side of our home, right? Mm-hmm. And we five years ago, we had them topped where you took off all of the foliage and whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there was nothing. And then the next year, we had a beautiful puff of greenery there. It looked really, really nice. And then the branches would come down, right? Mm -hmm. And then from there, for the last four years, nada, nothing. So now what is happening, it is losing its coat of bark. Uh, Why? Well, okay, so, but did you have any green leaves this year at all? Nada. Oh, nothing. Not for the last three years now. Okay. So is it dead? Yes, it sounds like it. Oh, That's but what, what about the roots in the ground? We thought it would live with the roots in the ground yet. Well, okay, hard to say for a positive sure, not, not knowing all the details. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's very hard to kill weeping willows. They are really tough cookies. So, but... The fa- okay, so when you top a plant like that, where the, all the branches are taken off, yes. the assumption is is that there's a, a lot of energy, like you're saying, in the roots, and that the plant will will come back from that shocking pruning job and grow, which it did the first year, as you point out. You know, you had the green, uh, fresh foliage growing from the top, from where all the, the pruning had been done. Mm-hmm. Something happened along the way, though, between that year and the next year. So whether it was the, the, pr- the wounding from all the pruning cuts and then some insects got inside and infested and, you know, took mm-hmm. down the plant that way, or whether it was just a case of super cold winters, droughty, you know, hot, dry summers. Weeping willow love moisture. They'll very naturally be found wherever there's a high water table or near rivers and streams because they just they thrive in uh, low spots where there's moisture tends to collect. And uh, so it could just be that they, they suffered from lack of moisture and then they were, you know, in shock from all the pruning. Like I say, it's hard to know for positive sure, but if you've seen no leaves for three years and if the bark is starting to flake off, I would say that's a pretty good indication that they, they are dead and the bark is falling off because they are drying up inside and Perhaps some animals have moved in and, you know, the bark's all starting to fall off. Ew. 
So if it's dead, that means the roots are dead. They're not going to continue to grow. Uh, unless you saw some green growth way down at the base of those trunks or stems, which sometimes is what happens. You do find that the root lives. You get new growth starting way down at ground level, and everything above that is is toast. So that is a possibility. So, I mean, you're right. You could try cutting them right down to ground level and see if something sprouts in the spring. But the fact that you have seen no green on them at all for three years is a pretty good indication that they're probably not alive. Okay, can I just have a P.S.? Sure, I guess. Uh, Where did you get the music for the starting of your show? (laughs) It's so cute. You know, we don't know. I don't know. Uh, Sebastian's shaking his head. He doesn't know either. Um, I'm going to blame it on... I'm going to attribute (laughs) it to Paul Stringer, who is one of our head creative guys here at the station. Maybe it's that's... very nice, anyway. I like it's kind of cute, it. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, and very often, cute. it's usually original music that will be used yeah. in this situation, because otherwise you pay huge royalty fees to whoever yeah. owns the music. We'll try and find out. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he just whipped it up in his spare time, because that's <laughs> usually how these things work. But we'll see if we can find out. Thanks, Thanks for Rosa. asking. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you very All much. All the very best. Thank Bye-bye. you. As we say goodbye to Rosa, that leaves us line open at 416-360-0740. And of course, anywhere in the province of Ontario, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to The Gardening Show. Uh, gardening Show. Yeah, well, yeah. it is a gardening show. <laughs> with Charlie Dobbin and Pat from Grafton with us right now. Good morning, Pat. Yes, good morning. Morning. I'm just wondering if it's time yet to put our roses to sleep oh what a great question so tell me are your roses blooming still like mine are uh no they're not blooming they have some green on them but they're not blooming well so i've got roses that are blooming and want to keep blooming just because they're so happy and they're not prepared for they don't want it to be winter yet neither do i well for some people you know they say well i'm going to arizona for the winter and i just if I'm going to put them to bed, I have to put them to bed, <coughs> excuse me, now. And that's what you have to do, right? If you got to go, you got you to do it. But if you can wait, I would wait. And what you're waiting for is a very hard frost. Okay. You're waiting for one of those nights where we wake up and it's crystals and frost everywhere. And that uh, temperature will have gone to at least five, minus five or lower overnight. Okay. And I finally got the frost to kill my begonias so I could bring them in. There you go. Because we, where I live, we've had some light frosts. We've had, yeah. you know, kind of minus one, zero. But we haven't had like a real cold, deep frost. I still have geraniums blooming at my front door. Mm, so I brought mine in. Did Yeah. Well, I'm in that process, but I haven't quite made it in the door with them yet. Mm-hmm. And they're still sitting there blooming. So, you know what I'm saying? It's so... The, and the roses really need that hard frost to truly be dormant, okay. and then you want to cover them. If you cover them too soon, you're going to trap heat into the around the plant, and you're going to prolong them staying active as opposed to going dormant. That's why you want to hold off if you okay. can. Have you ever heard of lying a climbing rose down yes. and covering it up? Yes. Have you got one of those? I've got a couple of those. Oh, my. So, and are they new this year? No. Oh, so what have you done with them in the past? Just the roots. Okay. So you just pile soil, like a foot of soil around the base. Yes. All right. So the reason, to, what kind of uh, stand, what kind of rose trees are they? Do you know the variety? Uh, one is a Joseph's coat. Um, the other one I just bought this spring and I don't remember what it is. And the other one 
is probably 15 years old, and I hmm. moved it here 10 years ago. So. <laughs> so the reason why we talk about lying roses down is because, yeah, it's a kind of a long story, but most when we buy a rose that is not growing on its own roots, so it's, it's what we would call a tender rose, right. and it's been grafted or budded onto another rose's roots, there is that swollen spot, usually right at the crown, so where the stem and the roots meet, is that swollen bit, which is where the bud or the graft has taken place. Mm-hmm. In the case of a rose tree, you've, you've got two grafts or buds. So you've got the roots then you've got the stem, and then you've got the chosen variety up top. And there, because that graft or that bud of that chosen rose that's on the top of this whole stem has got that swollen, knobby graft way up above the soil by three or four feet, and that is the most tender part of the plant. And so if it's a super cold winter or the plants are in a very exposed area where they're just you know, not going to be able to cope with the, the extreme cold, that's what dies. That's that bud. Um, and, oh, that, and so that's when you lose the rose. So you've got the roots are alive, the stem is alive, but what was budded on is gone. And that's why people will will dig up, believe it or not, dig up a whole side of roots, chop, 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 chop all the way around one side of the plant and then dig a trench on the opposite side and then tilt the plant over into the trench and then put soil on top to cover that bud. I don't think I have any of those buds on mine. I don't think so because it is, I mean, there are rose trees that are grown without that that graft way up high, which is definitely the best thing for the Canadian or the Ontario gardener because that just that, that... Tilting over is a lot of work, trust me. Yeah, yeah. so a climbing rose is considered a rose tree? No, climbing no. roses are climbing roses. They, okay, these and again, are just climbing roses. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. No, it's the rose trees. It's like a little standard, like a little popsicle idea plant yeah. that I'm talking about. But climbing roses, no, the, any grafting or budding has been down, done and way down at ground level. So that's why hilling protects that, that, uh, that yeah. bud. Okay. Okay. Thank yes. you, Pat. Thank you so much. Alrighty, a neat question coming in from Grafton, Ontario. Um, now, I, I just for a moment, I want—I uh, have to direct my comments here to my cat Dickens at home. Oh, Is Dickens listening? On. Yeah, I, I leave the you, radio on excellent. so that he can hear my voice. He, Aww. you know, uh, Dickens is a good guy. He's fifteen and a half. I know he's great, and he's a, he's a really good cat, really is. And uh, I, I'm going to promise you something, Dickens, for Christmas when I'm going to get you. Are pet chews? Well, say, don't make promises. You're not going to keep. Well, no, I'm. I'm going to contact the folks at Sierra Sil because get Michael to bring some with him when he comes. Oh, oh, there's a good idea. Hmm, very good. In any case, whatever the case, yeah, I don't care how I get it. I'm going to get them. Sierra Sil pet chews provide the same great uh, help to cat joint and animal, yeah. all little animals Dogs, cats. that, uh, you know, Sierra Sil does Rabbits, for humans. Squirrels. So it's the same stuff, joint formula 14. They've just added some natural liver and salmon flavors to make it easier to share with your pet. Aww. Right now he just loves His when treats. I go, he goes, oh, you've seen him run to yeah. the door and wait for the temptations that I can throw down the hallway to him. So try I'm gonna, I'm standing gonna be throwing him, him pet shoes. And then he'll be jumping up even more. Yeah, he'll be going, right. hey, come so on, check more it shoes. Out. Just Check it out. In fact, you can go online to sierrasil.com slash or forward pet chews. 
Like that's not shoes, but shoes. No, no, shoes. C H E W S. All right. Yeah, good idea for anybody with a, yeah, stiff animal, stiff pets. It's a way to get them back bouncing. You got it. Sierra Seal. S I E R R A S I L. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. I got a little alliteration going here. Mike and Minden, good morning. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Hello, Mike. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, go ahead. Um, can I Can I hear uh, Charlie, too? Yes, oh, yes I'm, I'm listening. Right oh, you are. Yep. I'm sorry. No worries. Uh we have uh, bugs mm-hmm. that are similar to aphids. aphids. I can't magnify them to see exactly the difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, although they are on a plant called Brugmansia. Oh, yeah. So they came in with them. Yep. But they are somewhat very light beige in color. Okay. And are they on the leaves or in the soil? Leaves. Okay. <clears throat> and are they on the tips, like the uh, growing tips? Yes, ma'am. All right. Very, very small uh, new shoots. Yeah. Uh, they could be aphids. They could have come in on the plant because you had the plant outside for the summer. Yes. And now you've brought it in because it will die outside. It's a tropical plant, the Brugmansia. So what I would do is can you put the plant in the bathtub? Yes. Okay, so that's what I would do. I'd put the plant, you know, pot and all, sit it in the bathtub, get a hold of an, a very, you just need a gentle insecticide like Safer's soap, or you can mix up your own insecticidal soap by mixing 40 parts water with one part soap, not detergent, but soap, and then you spray the plant thoroughly. That's why you do it in the bathtub, because you're going to make a mess, right? You're going (laughs) to spray and soapy water will go everywhere. Then you're going to rinse the plant off with clean, fresh water, and then you're going to put it back out into the sunny window where you've currently got it located. But do isolate it from any other plants. Just be sure that the... It's very likely that they are aphids, and they certainly can move around to other plants. So just try and keep the one that clearly has the bugs isolated from the other plants. How am I going to keep out of from other plants when we have maybe 30 or 40 uh, pots in a house? Mm. Do you have like a a bedroom you could put that plant in or, or something where you could just keep it separate, for just even for a couple of days? Or the other thing is, if, if you don't need to use your bathtub for a couple of days, is do that soap treatment I suggested and then just leave the plant in the bathroom for a couple of days separate from the other plants, maybe. Just if you can isolate, it's always a little better. Uh, give it a bit of a quarantine, so to speak. Okay. Okay. All right. How, how often should I... Um You should only have to spray once, but keep an eye. It is possible that if, I mean, aphids have a a generation that takes seven to ten days for the eggs to hatch. So it is possible that you will need to spray again because your first spray will not kill any eggs. It will only kill live insects. You know, assuming that you spray thoroughly, the soap on contact will kill the live insects. So you may have to do this whole thing again seven to ten days later just to ensure that if any eggs hatch, you uh, wipe out any of the, the newborns. No oh boy. Hmm. I know. Pain in the butt. 
<laughs> True. But the things we do for our plants, right? They're just yeah. like members of the family. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Good, good luck, luck with that. Yeah, I know. And, it's uh, a better work, wow. I know. Uh, you were talking about uh, snow possibly in Collingwood. There was a little bit, apparently, mm-hmm. when we were uh, talking to Diane. Let's get an update from our friend in White River. In White River, indeed. <laughs> Rick, good morning. Welcome to the show again. Morning, guys. Morning. Oh, it's snow up here. It's cold. And ugh. How much snow? Uh, we probably got an inch or so. And oh. how long have you had it? Uh, a couple of days now. Yeah. But it's been cool. Yeah, there's, it's there's ice on everything. No right. meltage going on at your place. No, I know. It's been cold. <laughs> but... All right. Long okay. underwear, yep. I've got them on. I've got a big blanket on here. <laughs> I know. You got your, you're got wearing those long underwear for several months yet. <laughs> yes, I took them off July 1st last year. <laughs> Put them back on September 1st. <laughs> right. Anyway, I, 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 I'm an orchid man. And, I know. Uh, I'm having a heck of a time with my orchids. Why? Well, I, I just came back from Tofino about four weeks ago, and I treated myself to a beautiful yellow orchid. Mm-hmm. So I came home and I left it on the shelf, and then I noticed a couple of flowers wilting. So I took it out of the container. It comes in, and there was a lot of water in there, so uh, it was probably over. drowning. Yeah. So I took it all out of there and I left it in the dish with some of the moss that was in there, mm-hmm. and it kind of drying, and all the flowers fell off. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering. Now I have the um, orchid soil. I have the yeah. bark. Yeah. Can you mix them up and make a? Absolutely. Well, um, what do you know? What genus of orchid it is? Well, all I know is it's not in the bark. It was in that moss kind of stuff. Eh? I know a lot of times though. I mean, yeah, I did the same thing myself. I had some in rock wool. I had some in yeah, like it's almost like styrofoam. I mean, it's yeah, it's kind of weird how, what the little baby orchids will get planted into the little seedling orchids. But I uh, took the bull by the horns and put them all into clay pots with bark. Yeah. And my one similar to you had been in too much water for too long and it didn't smell very good. So I I trimmed off all the black roots and the smelly roots, mm. and then put the whole thing into bark. And I've just been letting it sit there and kind of dry down, yeah. hardly watering it at all for the last couple of weeks, um, hoping that it'll bounce back because it doesn't look good. The leaves are all kind of wrinkled and stuff. So the dropping of the flowers is the first thing that plants will always do when they're under duress. Yeah. That That's the first thing to go. So if the plant, and it sounds like it was overwatered, so it just reacts by dropping flowers. But no worries. You, you know, worry about more flowers in the future. In the meantime, what you want is some fresh roots, and you want the leaves to be in good condition so that more flowers will come. Uh, I would be inclined to yeah, just make, make sure you've got a good... Uh, either an orchid pot, so all that extra drainage, those holes that they've put in the sides of those pots, or at least, you know, a a good breathable pot, like a clay pot, and the bark. Yeah, so the bark should be a mixture of fine and chunky, and then, yeah, it's just soak the bark for about two days before you work with it and the bark that floats to the top is if there's any floating to the top that's garbage after two days it's the stuff that's down at the bottom that's really absorbed moisture that is the stuff you want to work with and then that goes into your pots and then your plants gently you know spreading the roots out and then more bark and stabilize with little stakes if necessary put them in that north window or east window wherever you keep them where they're getting kind of Good light, but not too much. Or maybe you're under grow lights where you are, and uh, and then just let them be. Well, I'm thinking about the grow lights. Uh, the, the the root mass was like kind of 
like almost had green algae on it. Is mm-hmm. that natural or is it? No, that just happened because it was in too much water. Yeah. Yeah. So should I? I just left it. Really, I didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. Well, you. Can, I mean, the only thing you would do is wash the, it off gently, like you know, it's the old kind of running under water and kind of with your fingers, just kind of rub the roots a tiny bit. But I wouldn't worry about it because you're you're going to allow that those roots to get a little bit dry and then wet and dry and wet, so that algae will disappear. What about room temperature? Just regular room temperature is all they need. Yeah, well, it's cooled up here. <laughs> well, all right, so 70 degrees Fahrenheit, so that's, what, about 15 Celsius? Oh, yeah. that'd be pretty warm up here. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah, really. Well, well so... our hydro rates went up, you know. Oh, okay. Oh, well, um, all right, you might yeah, just okay. have to... So, you know, maybe for Christmas on your list, you need to say you want a light fixture, one of those three-tier light fixtures with the grow lights, and you can get a cover for it, like a little zippy cover, and then you can make a nice little warm spot well, in there. there you go. There you go. Yeah? Okay. Right. Sounds good. If you were good, Santa Claus might bring it for you. You never know. Rick, well, we, have to, we have to push along okay. here. Sorry, we're just... Guys, God bless. Okay. Take care. Thanks. Take care. I'm, I'm hoping maybe uh, in our final call to get to another alliteration, Myrna in Mississauga. We'll find out if we can do that right after these words. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Here we go with that alliteration one more time. Myrna and Mississauga, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. It's again about my orchid. I know. Were, were you listening to the last caller? Yes, I was. What? And that answered two questions. <laughs> okay, Thank you very much. I was going to ask about the bark of the fern. Okay. Anyways, I'll be real quick. <clears throat> I have one orchid that is just growing absolutely humongous. Mm. And the, the pot, it's in its original pot that I bought it. Mm-hmm. And it's just a mass of roots. So I, I had the baby orchid. You told me I had the baby well, orchid. Oh, in the right. Spring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I had to. Buy, it's doing great, as by the way. Oh, good. I had to buy a big bag of um, bark. So um, I was going to transplant it and into a bigger pot. Mm-hmm. And then I look, and there's a stem growing. Now, my question. Should I wait until the stem, the flowers and everything are gone, or can I transplant it now? Good question. You yeah, I thought so. Do either. You do run the risk of damaging or losing the flower through the process of repotting. Okay. So if, right. uh, if you can wait, I'd be inclined to wait. And remember, it's always, it, it, when we repot, sometimes we repot because we have to. It's, you know, the roots are coming, the pot breaks, whatever. But the best time to ever do any repotting on any indoor houseplants is in the spring. Oh. So if you can put off repotting till spring, do so. But okay. sometimes, you know, you just got to do it in the fall. Uh, okay, I'll So, wait yeah, then. if you've got a flower stem coming, I'd be inclined to, to go with the flowers and hold off on the repotting. Now, just, how, um, can, can I, okay, I'm going to wait now. I'm going to wait in, until the spring because I don't want to wreck the whole plant. Yeah. It is just absolutely gorgeous. Now, when I do repot it, can I cut some of those roots off, or should I just leave them? Leave them alone unless they are rotted or black or wrinkled and white. You know what I mean? If they're alive, if they're green above-ground roots or they're uh, below-ground white roots, leave them alone. Don't trim uh, 
Or, I mean, unless, but, but you're going to go to a slightly bigger pot anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not a question of them not fitting into the pot, but all those above ground roots that people find a little sometimes unsettling, okay. leave them alone. The plant needs them. Okay. Okay. All right. That's okay. <laughs> Thank you, Myrna. And how do you stop these plants from growing? This one just doesn't see. Well, oh, mine, the leaves just keep coming up the middle. And that's how do you a, stop them from getting a, really, really big? A problem that most people would like to have, yeah, frankly. Yeah. So do not yeah, complain. No. I know. It's you know you can't win, right? Either they're 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 growing too fast, or they're not growing at all. You know, they're yeah. dying, or they're too healthy. So, but be happy. Whatever you're doing, you're doing something right. And yeah, you're just going to have to get rid of some furniture and make room for for the plants. Okay. Thanks, Myrna. I just let them keep growing. Yep. (laughs) Okay, I'll let you guys go because I think you're pretty well finished now. Uh, We're just about 30 seconds away from bye-bye. You too. Thanks. All right. Yeah, so there we are. Yeah. Another hour. Santa comes tomorrow. Oh, really? To this town? To Toronto? Yes. Yes. Are you you in the parade by any chance? No, no, but I'm uh, considering uh, maybe taking some of my grandchildren. Good idea. Yeah. And I hope it's going to be a nice day. I understand it's going to be pretty good. Oh, that's well, mild, mild week coming, so still opportunities right. to get out in the garden if we need to. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.